Proverbs 16, go down to verse number 33. The Bible said the lost, or excuse me, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. We're thankful, Lord, uh, just to have a, a time together to fellowship, Lord, no doubt, Lord, to catch up. But Lord, also to pray, Lord, and to seek your face, Lord, and to ask your help and to on purpose, God, remind ourselves how much we need you and remind ourselves how much you really are to us, Lord. And we ask you tonight that you'd uh, help us as we get into the word of God now, Lord. This is your word. God, you've written it. God, you've preserved it. You've inspired it, Lord. I'm just thankful to have it within my possession. And Lord, the most important thing we'll do tonight is to get things and get it out of the word of God tonight. It's far greater, Lord, than anything I could ever say or, 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 or come up with, Lord. I'm thankful tonight that I have your word to preach from I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you'd hide behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you eat me out of myself. Lord, fill me with the Spirit of God and simply use me one more time for your glory. Lord, I sure am grateful for Sunday, Lord. I was grateful for Sunday night. But, Lord, I stand in need of your help again on a Wednesday night. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, on Wednesday night, Lord, you know exactly where we are and what we need. Lord, I pray, Lord, we'd all leave out of here, God, not just with what we think we need, but with everything you've prepared for us. Lord, we love you, we thank you tonight, Lord, we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Proverbs 16, 33, I've actually preached out of this uh, portion of scripture before, and I think I've preached it here. I know I've preached it a few other places, no doubt I've preached it here if I've preached it somewhere else. But I, I preached a message on when there's a lot in your lap. And uh, tonight we're, we're going to not necessarily piggyback off that, but we're going to take this same verse, look at it from a different application sense tonight, and kind of fit it in with our prepositions that we've been looking at. We started with the preposition two uh, that we found in verse number five, and uh, somewhere else in there we found it as well. We found the preposition two, and we learned that certain things are acceptable to God, or there's certain things that please the Lord. And we also found out there's certain things that are abominable to the Lord that he does not like, nor does he take a, a, a delight in. And then we also look at the word from, we found out there's certain things that are from the Lord or because of the Lord. And then well, there are certain things that we may have in our life or we've allowed to linger that are in our lives that are not from God and they're not because of God. And the last preposition we'll look at this evening is the word of, O-F. Me and my wife were talking and we were talking about when I was in high school and we were, I had to write an essay and, uh, and I, I got to the point where I could not remember how to spell the word of. Right? I mean, in high school, in, in like my brain, just O-V-E. That's not right. But thankfully, I made it through. I remembered how to spell the word of. Uh, it's very similar to the word from. Matter of fact, there is a very symbiotic relationship, right? It is, they often work hand in hand where you can use the word from. You can also probably put in the word of. But we're going to see tonight, they're, they're, though they're very similar, they are not exactly the same. Remember that word from means because of, or I have taken something and given it to you. It is coming from me to you. Now we're going to look at the word of, that means to come out of, or, or on the account of tonight. And so whereas from is, I have taken something that is that I have possessed or I have purchased, and I am giving that to you. This is from me to you. It is often a thing, a possession, a, an object in that sense. The word of would mean me giving of myself to you. 
There's a vast difference from me giving you something and me giving of myself to you. Wouldn't you agree with that tonight? That it's one thing, you know, it's one thing when it comes to Christmas time, and I know we're 300 and some 60 days away from that now, but it's a big thing, a big difference of me giving you a $20 gift card and me saying, listen, I will come to your house and do whatever chore you need done. I am giving of myself in that sense. And tonight there are things that are from the Lord because or are a result of things that are of the Lord. Right, verse number 33 gives us a great illustration of this. Look at verse number 33. The Bible said the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. That lot is what we receive from the Lord. It's our part, it's our role, it's our purpose, our calling, however you want to call it. And we understand that the imagery there, there was a way that they would make decisions in your in the Bible days, and we still make decisions this way. As we were growing up, you've ever played any, meeny, miny, mo, you know what I'm talking about. We've ever cast or pulled straws, you know what I'm talking about. It was a, it was a, it was, in essence, it is a, we call it random, right? But the Bible days, they were leaning on the sovereignty of God to choose one out of the group when they could not come to the decision. Now, they never did it in light matters, right? They never did it in things that were, should have, could have easily been done by anybody, but rather it were serious things and they knew they needed God's direction and they would sit and they would have one marked lot, Right, it was an emblem on it that was marked and they would cast it into the lap of men as they sat down. You would pull that, that lot, that, that whatever that object was, out of your, your robe and if you had the marked one, then you were it. And so we see tonight that the lot that we receive from the Lord tonight is that's our part, that's our role. But the grand scheme, the, the, the grand plan, the, 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 the great picture tonight, that's of God. In essence, tonight, you and I have a role to play in God's big plan. But the end result, how things play out, they are not up to you and I. They are not of you and me. They are of God tonight. And I've been studying been in, in, in the book of Revelation and preparing for that Sunday night study that we're going to start. And, and I'm glad tonight I can report to you we win. <laughs> I'm glad tonight I, I can report to you whether I play my part absolutely perfect or not, whether I do with all that the lot that God has given me does not impact the fact that God has already won. What you and I have from the Lord to do is because of who God is. Right, we're gonna see that tonight, that the whole disposing thereof, the grand plan, the ultimate goal, that is the Lord's, he owns it all. And tonight we're going to see three things in Proverbs 16 that are of the Lord. Notice number one tonight, the first thing that is of the Lord is mercy. Look at verse number six. By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. Now, they didn't sing it tonight, but I love that song, and I can't remember, I think I've heard Brother Ray and Brother Jacob both sing it. But that, that song that goes, but that's when mercy walked in and pleaded my case and called to the stand, God's amazing, I can't sing it, but I can preach it, amen. <laughs> called to the stand, God's amazing grace. 
And we like that song, and no doubt I love that song, but when my mind goes into the imagery, there I am sitting in the condemned man's seat. I, I know that I deserve whatever judgment is coming my way, but then the song says mercy walks in and calls to the stand God's amazing grace, and they begin to plead for me. And I can't help but think, well, who are mercy and who are grace? They're not people that show up in the sense, who's mercy? God is mercy. The Lord Jesus Christ is mercy. But they're not individuals, but it is the Lord. It is not that he has certain amount of mercy. Right, it's not like he walks around with a bag of mercy. I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit here, sprinkle a little bit there, and oh, there's some, they need some mercy over there, I'm gonna toss it over there to them. No, when you and I stood in need of mercy, God did not drop mercy from heaven into our direction, but God himself, who is mercy, showed up into our lives and extended himself to us and saved us by his grace. We're gonna see that tonight, that mercy isn't just from the Lord, it is of the Lord. For the Lord himself is mercy. Lamentations 3, 22, 23, it's a wonderful verse in the book of Lamentations. Uh, uh, the title of that book tells us to lament is to cry. It is to weep in the sense. It is to, to bitterly, out of anguish, lift up your voice. We know that it was Jeremiah that wrote it, but right there in the middle of the lamentations, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Verse, chapter three, verse 22 and 23, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And it's not that God has multiple mercies for multiple people, for multiple situations. Oh, your skin is that color? Well, I got this kind of mercy for you. Or, oh, you come from that side of the tracks. Oh, I've got this kind of mercy for you. You have a wonderful socioeconomic background, and I've got a little extra mercy for you. That's not what he's talking about. There's, but rather, we, when, you, when you look at this, and really it hinges on that last phrase where it says, great is thy faithfulness. In essence, the Lord is so full of mercy, and he, he is so merciful tonight that as long as he is faithful, you and I have an opportunity to receive mercy and to have experienced mercy. And the Bible says it is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, but they are new every morning. It's not that God's mercy goes stale at 12 o'clock tonight. Oh, it's, it is now January uh, 4th, January 3rd's mercies. You should have got them while you had them. They have gone stale. It is not like the, the bread and the manna and the days uh, of the Israelites in the wilderness where after, if they didn't get it, it would be gone. But rather, we realize tonight, what, well, what does the Bible mean that his mercies are new every morning? Great is thy faithfulness. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm saying as long as God is faithful to what he's promised to do, which will be forever, we can get up every day knowing that his mercy is available. Why? He's available. But it's not that his mercy applies to multiple situations and circumstances. Let me see where I was. I don't know what the next day may hold, but God has promised to be faithful. Not just to me, but really to himself.
Remember when he swore to Abraham, he didn't swear by Abraham, he swore by himself. He made a covenant with himself that he would carry out in Abraham's life what he promised he would do. And the same thing is true with you and I. You and I did not get saved because God made a covenant with us. Reality is God the Father made a covenant with God the Son and you and I are getting in on his behalf. And we're grateful for that tonight. And as long as he is faithful to what he's promised himself, you and I have an opportunity to have mercy. Mercy is of God. You could say that we've received mercy from God, and I wouldn't argue with you. How many know tonight that you've received mercy from God? But at the same time, we can all agree that mercy is of God. You can't find mercy anywhere else. This world doesn't preach mercy. This world, this world said there is no mercy in evolution. It's the survival of the fittest. You ain't fit enough, too bad for you. There is no mercy in the business world. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. There is no mercy in our world outside of God. And so tonight it's safe to say that mercy is of God. I grew up playing a game. I've since retired from it due to my old age. <laughs> it was a game called Mercy. And it was, it was anything but merciful. You would grab somebody's hand. You might have played it different. It's kind of like Monopoly. Everybody plays it different depending on where you are. You'd, inter hand, you'd interlock your hands together and you would begin to turn down and the goal was to make the other person scream either uncle, never understood that one, or mercy, right? And the goal was to bring them to the place where they were begging for mercy. And I said, I'm glad that's not how God operates with us. Now, he will leave us to ourselves. He will allow us to go after what we desire, but we will do so pushing through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But rather, he said, listen, all you have to do is ask, and I'll be there with mercy, with grace. Have you ever experienced God's mercy in your life simply because he's a God of mercy? So we see that mercy is of God. Number two, truth is of God. Truth is of God, verse number six. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. What a blessed thought. You need both of those in order for iniquity to be purged. And I'll explain that in just a few moments. But many times in our Bible, here's an interesting study for you if you want to go do it. Go look up all the times that mercy and truth are mentioned together. You find them throughout the word of God mentioned together. Mercy and and truth. Matter of fact, Psalm 85.10 says, mercy and truth are met together. What, where in the world did mercy and truth meet together at? Well, I'd tell you tonight, met at Calvary. <laughs> what do you mean by that, preacher? Do you mean Jesus was on the cross and from this side come mercy and from that side come truth and they just bumped into each other at Calvary? No, may I tell you tonight that the one who was hanging on the tree is both mercy and truth tonight. They're at Calvary. They met to get praise God this evening. I'm so glad that when you look at God, you find mercy and you also find truth. And you can't separate them. Matter of fact, we ought not to desire. That's why people get in a mess. That's why the, the church of the modern day is in a mess. They, they don't want no truth. Just give us grace and mercy. Can I say if you remove truth from grace and mercy, the mercy and grace you have is cheap. Almost worthless. But when you understand the truth, boy, it sure does make mercy and grace look a whole lot better. 
<laughs> That's why you can't separate the two. You, you can't have one. Well, preacher, how in the world did they meet together? Well, the truth is sin had a debt. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That is the truth. And so we knew somebody had to die to pay for sin. That was the truth hanging on the tree. The mercy was that Jesus didn't have to die for us. He was willing to. He wasn't forced to. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter, but he was a willing sacrifice. There is mercy and truth met together. Well, preacher, how, how do we get truth from the Lord? Well, because he's a God of truth. You have a book tonight, 66 books inspired by the, word, inspired by the mouth of God himself tonight. It is a book of truth. Truth, I would much rather have this than a newspaper or a scientific textbook. I want God's word. Because here's the thing tonight, this thing will last a whole lot longer than the newspaper does. This thing will last a whole lot longer than the science book does. Matter of fact, this thing's gonna last a whole lot longer than this world does. Why, wow, it's truth tonight. And what you and I, how many, man, if I could get it out like it's in me. How many have ever got a word from the word? How many have ever got truth from the truth? How, preacher? Because he is truth. How do you know? How do you know? Well, he said himself, John chapter 14, 15, or 16. I am the way, the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Matter of fact, he stood before Pilate in John chapter number 18. And Pilate begins to question him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, that's what you said I am. But then he goes on to Jesus said, I am of the truth. And those that are of, or I'm the truth, and those that are of the truth know my voice. What did Pilate say? What is truth? Jesus could have easily said, I am. He could have told that to Pilate. He'd already said it though. He'd already made that clear. That he was the truth. And tonight, what you and I gain from the word of God, the truth that we've learned about the word of God, it is not because we have a wonderful mind and an educated ability. It is because God himself is true. That's why the Holy Spirit only leads in one direction. He'll guide you unto all truth. The Holy Spirit will never guide you outside of the confines and outside of the parameters of his own word. Well, the Spirit told me to do this, preacher, but it doesn't line up with the Bible. It wasn't the Spirit of God. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't the Spirit of God. Well, preacher, I, I know, I know you got your Bible, but the Lord has given me another word. I don't want it. My Bible's got perfect, so nothing you got to say is going to add to it or make it any better. How do you improve on perfection? Well, preacher, it's a little bit more perfect. That don't make no sense. That's like bowling and saying, well, I bowled a 301. No, you didn't. It is impossible to do that. We see it tonight that the truth is of God. It is, it is not just something God delivers to you and I, but rather it is who he is tonight. Jesus even said he is the truth, and the truth never changes. Why, preachers? God never changes. And so what is truth? God is truth, and as long as he is God, truth will always be truth, and he will always be the truth. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just have truths for us, but that he is the truth? Mercies of God. Truth is of God. Notice number three tonight, glory is of God. Look at verse number 31. Verse 31. 
the hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. How many here tonight got a hoary head? <laughs> How many tonight are working on one, Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm working on one. It's crazy. You become pastor. Gray hair starts start popping up places. <laughs> I looked it up. I was just curious because my, my mama used to do this. I don't know if she still does or not. But every, every so often, my mom would go to the beautician. She would go to the hairdresser and she'd come back. Her hair would be a different color. Mama, how you do that? <laughs> You, you went in brown, you came out a different color brown. How'd you do that, Mom? She got it dyed. I figured it out later on. I looked it up. You know last year how much money was spent on people dyeing their hair? Globally speaking, $23.15 billion. Probably the vast majority of that is people trying to cover, what, cover up what color hair? Gray. Somebody's going to see me after the preacher you meddling now. <laughs> I understand this is a personal issue. I would say it's a private issue, but really it's not because we can see you. <laughs> but tonight, if you go to, the, if you go to the, the, the hairdresser, I go to the barbershop. I don't know if I've ever been to the hairdresser. You go there and you go in a blonde and you come out an auburn. That, listen, that's between you and the Lord. <laughs> The Holy Spirit's convicting you and I. We'll have a time of invitation. <laughs> but notice here, the Bible says that there's something about gray hair. And that it is a what? A glory. A crown of glory. Well, whose glory? Last time I checked, you and I have nothing to glory in, in and of ourselves. <laughs> and really, we see that now because, you know, I don't meet a lot of people. I, I can't say that I ever have. I don't ever really ask anybody. But I never looked at someone and said, hey, are you proud to be gray-headed? Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I always, I, I, I've never been one for Rogaine, amen. I'll, I'm just glad that my brother went gray before I did. <laughs> I went again, amen. Preachers, everything a competition when you're a middle child, it is. But notice here tonight, the the hoary head, it's a gray hair, it's a crown of glory, but it's not your own, right? You don't have any control over it. You may be able to disguise it, but you can't stop it. It's one of those things, it's the same understanding that when you go uh, in other parts of the Bible where it says, can a man add, add a cubit to his height? Can the leopard change his spots? No, there's things about us tonight that are happening in our life for the sole purpose we are fearfully and wonderfully made and even though we may not realize it is an opportunity for you and I with the, with the right perspective and being in the right place, we can give glory to God. Once again, I've never been in a church service where someone stood up and said, I just want to praise the Lord for my gray hair. But notice the Bible said there is this understanding that a hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. In essence, tonight, in and of yourselves, just having gray hair, right, isn't a, it, it's not an elevation in your spiritual life, 
Right? It doesn't put you on a plateau above other Christians, non-gray-headed Christians. But rather, when you, when you have, because honestly tonight, when you go gray-headed, it does happen to those who are an older in age. Right? It doesn't happen to a, an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, but those of us who have lived a while, we've experienced some things, and our hair begins to turn gray. But the Bible said it is a crown of glory when, in doing so, you are still in the way of righteousness. Because a person with, a, with gray hair who is in the way of righteousness, they're living for God, they're serving God, they're actively pursuing the will of God for their life, that is a wonderful testimony. Because what you don't realize tonight, that there is a church full in here tonight who are, who are years away from ever having a gray hair. But when we step back and see, and we see, the, and I'm not trying to make funny tonight, but we see those with gray hair tonight who are actively serving in church, who are actively attending church, who are faithful to support and faithful to witness and faithful to serve God, we step back and say, I hope one day, I hope one day I am as just as faithful as they are. I hope when I'm their age, and I hope when I've lived that long, if God tarries is coming, I hope I'm just as faithful as they are. Well, I can't tell you how many times I've heard a preacher get up. I heard a man a few weeks ago, he was in his 90s. And he, he gave a, like a 30-second testimony. He said, I pastored five churches. They didn't like what I had to preach, so I bought a motorhome. I'm six motorhomes later, 90-some years old, and I'm still preaching the gospel. I don't know who that fellow is, but I like him. <laughs> I hope when I'm that old, I hope when, and I don't say that in a derogatory sense, but I hope that when my head turns gray, God finds me just as faithful as some of you are tonight. But do you realize not, it's not just a, a blessing of your faithfulness? But let me ask you tonight, if, 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 if you were asked, <laughs> what caused your hair to turn gray? What's the number one common answer? Children. <laughs> Stress. Right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the smartest, sharpest tool in the shed, but I, I, I can, I, I can kind of, Put some things together. <laughs> Prior to pastoring, I had like three gray hairs. <laughs> now it's starting to come in right here. I'm going to look weird in a few years. <laughs> gray hair, not gray beard. <laughs> I'm going to go from, oh, you sure do look young to be a pastor to, well, oh, you sure did get gray hair early, didn't you? But we think about this. When we say that gray hair is a, it's caused from stress, and I think there is some science behind that, and it causes those gray hairs to come out. But what a testimony. <laughs> what a testimony. To be able to stay, uh, say, you know, how many years from now, yes, there was some things in my life that stressed me out. Yes, I love children are a heritage from the Lord, but can I say we had some struggles raising them? Can I say that there's been things in my life that have not gone to plan, they have not gone the way I expected, and to be honest with you, it brought worry into my life, it brought anxiety into my heart, I, I began to live fearful, I, I began to, to struggle, and I began to stress out, but then in the middle of it, I, I just desired and just decided I was going to pray, and I began to pray and ask God for help, and, and God began to take away the stress, and God began to take away the fear and the anxiety, and may I say, yes, I I may have a few gray hairs in my head, but may I remind you there was a God who was faithful through all of it and took care of me. And for that reason, I'm not leaving the way of righteousness. 
Glory is of the Lord. Cause the gray hair is stress, but God can take stressors and make it a testimony tonight. That's why he said the hoary head, the gray headed, when they're found the way of righteousness. <laughs> Talking about taking it literal. <laughs> when you're going about your day tomorrow, find somebody and just pull them off of the side in this grocery store. Hey, you wonder why I got gray hair? They're going to look at you like you're crazy. But it'll, it'll open up the door because someone's going to say, yeah, tell me, why do you have gray hair? Well, I, I, I've been through some difficult times. I've been through some hard times. I've been through some, some just downright trials and fires and valleys. But I learned God is faithful. And you can look at them as young as they are and say, one day you're going to have some of these like this. But if you'll let him, God will be faithful to you too. He can change your life. Some things are of God. Mercies of God. Well, how many glad for mercy tonight? Truth is of God. God is truth. How many glad that you know that tonight? But also glory is of God. Nothing that we do and nothing that we accomplish gives us the right to glorify in ourselves. Even our gray hairs on our head are an opportunity to give glory to God tonight. Let's pray.